Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund, or your money back. And with your no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees. It's gonna, sir. It's gonna. Welcome to We Have Ways of uh, Making You Talk um, uh, with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. Um, uh, I don't know. This is episode X of our Dan Busters. Uh, or is it Y and Z? Or is it Y and Z? Or is it um, J, uh, G George? I don't know. Anyway. Or P for um, Popsy. Or P for Popsy. It's P for Popsy. Um, so, um, so what we thought we'd do in this episode is basically... By the way, any regular listener, strap yourself in. We're going to make a promise at the start of this episode that we may fail to keep. What we're going to try and do is the week <laughs> is the uh, um, is the week running up to the dams raid. Basically, so we're going to go up to, to take off. Up the to point take of take off. off. Okay, so let's set the scene. So, in very brief, six one seven squadron has been glued together with with super experienced leadership, but the crews don't necessarily aren't necessarily all as super experienced as people like gibson so guy gibson is is the exception not necessarily the rule really isn't he in terms of his he's absolutely the exception yeah he's got he's i think he's got 72 at this point operational sorties on his list not including the kind of hundred plus he did as a night fighter and from between sort of back end of 1914 to 1941 he's just left in beginning of march he leaves 106 squadron which he's been commanding since the previous year and you know he's absolutely washed out he's expecting to be given some leave he's got a very odd relationship with a wife who's sort of basically 10 years his senior not quite 10 years like eight years his senior right and he's a dancer and he doesn't really know if he's brutally honest and and he just sort of married her because he did he's got a yeah. he's got an estranged he's got a relationship with his mother who's i think by this stage has died she's sort of set herself on fire she's an alcoholic oh, father was in the colonial service in india and he doesn't has no relationship with him whatsoever and doesn't know him at all yeah very devoted to uh, is it you know relations down in cornwall he's got a brother who he's very close to his brother alex is is, is married and that's that's his sort of stability but he's a remarkable character because he was he was just so sort of b-list at school you know he was in the kind of second tier academically he wasn't in the first 15 there was absolutely nothing of his time at st edward's oxford that suggested that he was going to be remarkable in any shape or form and yet he does seem to be this incredibly good and charismatic leader although he's absolutely riven by by his inner torments due to his childhood, his upbringing, his relationship with his mother, this bizarre relationship with his wife, who, as I say, he barely knows. And he's also got a very, very intense platonic relationship with a a nurse at Syston called called, uh, Maggie North. 
he can't commit to Maggie North because he's married and because it wouldn't be the dumb thing, but he feels a kind of uh, an intense relationship, intense sort of affinity to her. And quite clearly they, he should not have married his, the, 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 the person he did marry he, and all this, you know, but he's completely screwed up basically. But this is very interesting, isn't it though? Because, because I mean, I suppose the, in a strange way, I imagine that rest of six, one, seven squadron, you could, you could pluck out another dozen biographies of people in exactly like that. People yeah, with complicated, complicated hinterlands, complicated relationships, um, the stress and strain of flying combat sorties and all that on their plate. In a way, we're fortunate that Gibson's high profile enough and well, well enough known that we can actually find this stuff out about him. Yeah. And, and while he's obviously, you know, he's one of the, one of the great, uh, uh, you know, Victoria Cross uh, winners, one of the great well-known pilots of the war in lots of ways, those things is kind of representative of, of what it, of what crews are going through, what their lives are like, who these who these men are, and what it's costing them, because because he is he he is someone who's he's not in danger of burning out quite yet. You know, it's a thing he's dealing with, isn't it? Is keeping his nerve keeping his nerve together. And well, the squadron must be must have been full of like people like that. And bomber commander's full of surely full of people like that. And and the fact that he's so well known means that we get to know this. You know, when you get the truth about Guy Gibson and the Dembo stories, he wasn't very happy. Like, yeah, of course he wasn't. You know, um, he's got his life is his life is periods of absolute terror. Um, yeah, okay, but 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 I do think there are some people that are just absolutely perfectly suited to this. So Les Munro yeah. is a, is a classic example. You know, he's incredibly phlegmatic, stoic imperturbable doesn't really get scared it's all you know it just brushes over him and there are these people who there are other people who are total adrenaline junkies who just love it can't get enough of it you know mickey martin's sort of pretty much in that camp i mean not maybe not entirely that's probably slightly yeah. over overstating it but he's you know he's he's fine you know so so it's not that everyone who gets into a lancaster is absolutely terrified i think the and those who are absolutely terrified tend not to kind of achieve a huge amount i think um and i think the, the remarkable thing about gibson is his his sort of carry on kind of keep going kind of charisma there, there is these two parts to him there, there is the private guy gibson which has the sort of screwed up family life a sort of odd relationship with his wife um this sort of weird relationship with maggie north which is incredibly intense but still platonic um the fact that he's got gout the fact that he's you know absolutely due a big stretch of leave and isn't isn't given it you know and is, is by any recognition combat fatigued and that's his kind of inner turmoil and yet he seems to be able to kind of click his fingers turn a switch and he turns into kind of public persona guy gibson which is hell fellow well met yeah you know business-like kind of unflappable imperturbable yeah. doesn't show a whisker of fear or and all this kind of stuff and, and and a leading light and 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 you know that's that's the one that Cochrane, the five group commander that harris the bomber command commander in chief and all the others kind of see and that's the the personality that presents to the, the this new squadron 617 squadron but i think it's i, I think by dint of a celebrity we know we, we we're able to know that there's more to him than that and i think that's really yeah. that's really interesting and, and illustrative perhaps of a of, of another side to all of this anyway monday may the 10th yes so lots going on the countdown is on and and, and you know at this point it's seven days to the dams raid and yet no one knows it at this point. And that, that's what's so <laughs> remarkable. You know, seven days is nothing. Well, so, so what you've got is you've got, um, people still working out whether the target's going to be, you know, a viable 
proposition you know it yep. needs a full moon it needs water to be really high in the dams is it still high you know so so photo reconnaissance people are going over and taking taking photos of it and handing it over and, and squadron leader fred Fawcett, who's the intelligence officer at bomber command sends photos of the targets to group captain harry satterley who is the senior air um staff officer at at a house called St. Vincent's, which is just on the edge of Grantham. And this is where Air Vice Marshal um, Sir Ralph Cochrane is the commander of um, of Five Group. And that's the, the headquarters of Five Group. So they get there. And the same day, Satley draws up the first draft operation order for the raid on the dams. Yeah, And he sends it to um, Group Captain Whitworth, who's a commander, station commander at Scampton, and says, will you please get down to it right away with Gibson and either rewrite it completely to suit yourselves or pin on it slips of paper giving amendments you want to suggest. And he wants to have it back by 4pm on the 12th of May, which is the two days time on the Wednesday. I mean, that's quite interesting that there is an operation order, but they've got the leeway to, to change it if they want to. And Gibson... Yeah, so it's a start point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Gib- but Gibson... Gibson does, doesn't he? That's the, that's the thing. Is is he absolutely? Is is he? He basically takes one look at it and thinks, no, we're going to have to do that all quite differently. And he decides who's on which waves. He decides what to call the targets. He, you know, he sets up what's going to happen if his if his uh, um, uh, VHF goes wrong, um, uh, and 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 so on. I mean, the thing to bear in mind is that is that simultaneous to this is. Uh, uh, is Operation Servant, which is the 618 Squadron, who are going to use the highball. Gibson doesn't know what he's attacking. 617 Squadron don't know it's the dams or anything. And 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 when the targets are revealed eventually, apparently no one says, oh, you know, I knew that all along. Of course it's the dams. I knew it all along. The guys on Servant, they know perfectly well they're attacking the Turpets, don't they? They do. Uh, and what's also amazing about it is that Monday, the 10th of May, is exactly the same day that trials begin with the highball. Yeah. So, you know, they haven't started until that point, you know, yeah. so the, the, yeah. this is the first time they're trialing the, the, the highball. And the whole point about this is these are supposed to run on the same day. These two missions is supposed to be a sort of CUDA, CUDA man operation, a kind of surprise attack. Uh, and they have to be at the same time because otherwise, you know, the, the surprise gets cancelled out by the one that goes first. So this is what I do. So, so this is 618 Squadron. It's Squadron Leader Rose, who's the commander of 618 Squadron. He comes in and, and uh, off the Ayrshire coast, tacks an old back battleship french battleship called the corbet and releasing the ball the the, the high ball which is a, a still very much a sphere at this stage rather than a cylinder which is what the upkeep has become um uh, is 90 degrees the side of the ship flying at kind of you know between 50 and 60 feet so very low like the lancasters yeah. slightly easier in a mosquito than it is in lancaster 360 miles an hour so a seriously lot quick. faster that's a lot much, faster. Much faster yeah that's flipping fast and a highball spinning not at 500 rpm which is what the up keeps doing but at 700 rpm and a much much longer lead time so so actually 1200 yards is a is a is supposed to be where they're they're dropping it from which is why you've got the the, the increased speed and you've got the increased yeah. um rpm to get it so there. the first attempt Release mechanism is dodgy, so you have to go back to Turnbury, get another one. Second one, also a defective drop. You know, there's a lot of kind of sort of wiping of brows and kind of taking a deep sigh and starting yeah. again on this. Third yeah. attempt, absolutely perfect. Strikes it absolutely at the ship, exactly where it is, but but it hits it so hard because it's yeah. going so fast that it absolutely trashes the highball and and so you know the problem is that then your your detonation mechanism is affected so it doesn't detonate so that's no good um and the fourth attempt is also a perfect hit but it just sinks 
without trace. They don't catch it in the net where they're supposed to. And, you yeah. know, that's that. It's gone forever. Yeah. Um, and then they discover they've actually been setting it off at 800 yards, not 1,200 yards. So it's been coming in much too fast with too much too much energy, which is why yeah, it's so they want the, itself to pieces. So they all agree that they're going to have another tri- another dive trials, but not for another week. So, so that, that puts- might be a little bit late. And, and and the reports of what's going on, because it's an RAF squadron fighting for, you know, it's Coastal Command. Yeah. There's still RAF working on behalf of, for, for the Navy. The RAF obviously know about this. So the word of what's happened on the servant trials up in Ayrshire yeah. reach the Air Ministry. And in the Air Ministry, we've got Air Vice Marshal Norman Bottomley, who is the Assistant Chief of the Air Staff Ops, because there's three of them, yeah. or is there four of them? I can't remember. So he's the guy who's on watch on all this. And what he doesn't want is for both of these to be cancelled. And so he's starting to think, oh, I can just see we're going to have trouble with the Navy on this, you know, because we're, we're good to go pretty much, you know, next yeah. few days. We've yeah. got to wait for another week for trials. You know, then there's got to be another week and then another yeah. week and because- we're going to miss our boat. Because the key to this is they both happen, the, the two raids happen simultaneously. That's the big they idea. They have to happen simultaneously. They have to happen simultaneously because the weapon, once the Germans know about the weapon, they can bring about countermeasures to stop the weapon because the bouncing bomb is originally designed to skip over torpedo nets. That's the big, that's the, that's the big idea, isn't it? That's the bit, yes. So the, so the theory is that even though the upkeep is so much bigger than the highball and they're quite different in look, it's the principle. Once you've got the principle, once the cat is out of the bag, you, you you won't be able to do it again because they'll then put up measures and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a whole host of other things with servant that are just not being sorted out. Like the range is too great. So so what happens to the mosquitoes once they make it? And the anti-aircraft defences on the turpits are obviously far far greater than they are on the dams. And is this not going to be a complete suicide run? And they haven't really worked out. And, there's, and it's absolutely clear that enthusiasm for the operation against Tirpitz is, is waning. Yet there is a sense of ownership by the Admiralty over the whole project because they're the ones that back Barnes Wallace's bouncing bomb idea yeah. right from the beginning rather yeah, than yeah. the RAF. Yeah. You know, the yeah. RAF are Johnny Come Lately's on this. And so there's sort of inter service rivalry and all the rest of it. And, you know, we've supported and backed this weapon, and now you're going to pinch it from under our noses, you bastards. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's basic, basically it. But because of this, Bottomley then writes to um, Air Marshal Douglas Evill, who is the vice chief of the air staff, because by this stage, the chiefs of staff are heading over to Washington. So Portal is on his way for the Trident Conference. And Bottomley writes to Evelyn, he says, there is considerable divergence between the needs of Bomber Command and Coastal Command. The Admiralty are of the opinion that we should defer the initiation of these corporations until we have adequate force to achieve the greatest measure of success by surprise. They have in mind some date in June. And now are contemplating operations in the Mediterranean, the sacrifice of operations in Norway. So as far as the RAF are concerned, the, the you know, the, the, the Navy have blown it because they're the ones that are changing the goalposts, not them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously from the RS point of view, it has to be now when yeah. the water level is at the level it is, because by June it'll start be starting to drop. Yeah. And the and the conditions might might not be right by then. And anyway, they suspect it won't be June. It'll be July or August or September or never, never. Yeah, yeah. Because you're in, you're in, you're into the world of delays, aren't you? Um, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's so 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 basically, what we're saying here is, as a week before, not even a week before the raid, May, May the tenth, there is no there is no functioning bomb. Yeah. No. Not for, not for 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 the naval one. 
No, the naval one doesn't, but but it doesn't work as well. So that's got to put a question mark over the whole thing. But the RAF, Bomber Command have decided, all right, we're going to take ownership of this technology and do it anyway, because this is our only chance to do it. Exactly. Otherwise, Um, it's wait till next 1944. Yeah, 1944 or whatever. Well, I mean, if nothing else, German air defences may have improved considerably by 1944, which of course they... Of course. That is exactly what happens. So so on the the Tuesday, um, uh, 617 Squadron, or at least three of 617 Squadrons get to try out the upkeep. Don't yeah, they? it's, a, it's they're, they're inert upkeep, so they're, they're not ones that explode, but mm-hmm. but they are the proper proper full sized upkeep, the cylinder in the calipers of their specially adapted Type 634 Lancasters, etc. And, and Gibson, Hopgood, and Martin, who are on the first three of Gibson's planned first wave, yep. they go down to Reculver. Gibson flies over at 6 p.m., watched by Barnes Wallace, on a, who's standing on a bluff by the ruined church at Reculver. And and all three absolutely do it perfectly. Everything works. Everything works. But of course, you know, they're coming in oversea, straight and level, no one's shooting at them, it's daylight. Yeah. Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, the bomb it works. works. It works. It does bounce, it does what it's supposed to do. You know, so that's that's all to the good. But it's still only three crews and we're less than a we're less than a week away. Um so uh, on the twelfth, the Wednesday. By this point, Gibson. This is, of course, four o'clock. Four o'clock on the twelfth is when Gibson's meant to return the operational order. With his, yeah, he does that on time. With with, with his view of of what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they more people, more crews go down to Reculver. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Gibson's notes is is that that originally he wants a first wave of nine, and Les Monroe and Joe McCarthy are on that list. Yeah. So the, the the first wave of nine is definitely the nine people that he thinks are the best pilots and best yeah. crews yeah. on that first wave. And he doesn't want mosquito raids on nearby yeah. as diversionary raids. He, he scribbles that out. He wants to use ABC as the code names rather than X, yeah. Y, and Z because that's what they've been calling the lakes they've been practicing yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and... His plan is for the rest of the squadron to then take off at three-minute intervals afterwards in no formation mm. and just and to ro- respond to the situation. And, and rock up as a sort of mobile reserve, basically. Exactly. That, that's it's, the idea. I mean, that, that, um, it, it's, Sadly wants a, a, a dusk raid by mos- mosquitoes on Surst, doesn't he? Which just strikes me yeah. as a way of, a way of um, drawing attention, waking the Germans up. It's, well, that's seems, precisely why Gibson crosses yeah, it out. It's a very peculiar... Um, Suggestion, serving suggestion, that I think. Uh, quite yeah. Surprised, but it's surprising. yeah. And, and Gibson quite rightly, you know, knocks that on the head. Yeah. And and, and then more crews go to Reculver. Yep. Um, um, and one of them is David Shannon, and um, his his bomb aimer Len Sumter drops it too early. Yep. So the so the upkeep doesn't reach the shore. So that's a dud. Um, Les Monroe does a does a run, and he goes a bit too low. He's more like fifty foot off the off the sea, and actually the splashback knocks a bit of the fairing from the bomb bay off the lancaster nothing major so the interesting thing is is is, you know mickey martin's always the one who's supposed to be the kind of low level expert the low flying genius but but les munro really absolutely pushes the envelope because he's the one who was when he was practicing joe he flew underneath joe mccarthy yeah 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 yeah. which meant he was probably going at about 40 foot at the time oh jesus christ i mean and he did it for a laugh you know yeah of course he did i mean yeah Ha ha ha! <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. 
There must the, the I mean, while this is all going on, Lancasters are being being adapted, but the crew, the, but the ground crews are getting used to used to the adjustments, getting used to the servicing the kit, making sure that, that, that everything's working. So there's a lot of there's a lot of aside from the sorties, the, these training sorties. There's there's an awful lot of work going on, isn't there? Getting the getting the planes straight and getting the aircraft straight. I mean. Yep. And also just practicing hoisting the, the, the upkeep into the calipers. And you, you can imagine the ground crews are thinking as much as anything else. Because that bomb coming in, there must have been a hell of a lot of speculation amongst the ground crews. The, surely everyone thought it was the turpits. They must have all just thought it was the turpits. Just must have done. Because And it's, inter- the- and it's interesting that they're, they're not targeting that in a way. No. Might have been better doing using them than... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they'd be able to get back, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'd be able to get back. Yes, exactly. Yes, it, that, that, it's a it's peculiar. You know, and the, the bottom line is, is if you're flying straight and level, it doesn't really matter what speed you're doing. You're still a target. Yes, whether exactly. you're going 220 miles an hour, whether you're doing 360. Yeah, yeah, it's the great, it's the the sheer danger of doing it. So then on the Thursday, so 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 this is interesting because because Gibson does call in David Shannon and Len Sumter into his office, and he gives them a very mild reprimand. Just says, look, you know, you got you got to do better than this. You can't you can't yeah. be dropping it short. You know, on the night you've got to absolutely hit the barrel, hit the penny. And the interesting thing is that Len Subter doesn't, doesn't take offence at this at all. You know, he doesn't think Gibson's being a martinet. He thinks it's entirely justified yeah. that he's been given this dressing down. Yeah. And he says, actually, you know, it wasn't particularly, wasn't particularly major, you know, he's, you know, but he made him think, right. I could butt my ideas up. In the land of meanwhile, is the, is the day that fighting ends in Tunisia and that um, yeah. we now have control of the North African coast, um, yeah. uh, says Alexander. And Exactly. Because uh, 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 because I think so, it's big things are happening. Really big, really, really, really. And the Chiefs of Staff are now in uh, Washington. Trident Conference has begun. Yep. You know, so it's it's it, it's all kicking off. You know, the U-boat wolf packs are being beaten in the yep. in the Atlantic. So really big events are happening. You know, Dortmund is being bombed. Yeah. Um, where we were the other day. Yeah. Um, so. You know, there's a lot, there's an awful lot going on. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible amount going on. Well, and it and shows, that, shows that the war, I mean, really is is tipping. Again. You know, the Germans are under real, proper defeat pressure at this point, yes, aren't they? Um, absolutely. Uh, having lost in Stalingrad, now again in Tunisia, and they and the all their decisions, all of their strategic decisions are are, are delivering um, bad fruit, aren't they? Is the, yeah, it, completely. Simple as that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, and also on that day is the day that the the kind of sort of the showdown between the Admiralty and the RAF takes place. So this is the aforementioned Assistant Chief of the Air Staff Douglas Evel with Admiral Sir Charles Kennedy Purvis, who is Evel's counterpart as a sort of Deputy First Sea Lord, and they disagree completely. So so Evel gives him all the chat about you know this is our one opportunity, this is a time water levels, moon, yeah. you know won't be able to do it. You know June's going to be pushing it, but you're not going to be ready. Then you know you're not. Just admit it. You've, yeah. You know if you're not going to go to the the turpits, you know how long is it going to take to do an operation in the Mediterranean? And what and what is this operation anyway? You know you've just won over there. Just let us have our chance. Kennedy Purvis is having actually none of it, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, the matter is unresolved. And so they then go, okay, well, if we can't agree, we're going to have to turn this over to the chiefs of staff. So they kick it upstairs, which is, which they is kick it upstairs. interesting. Yeah. Because- uh, and, you know, this is just absolutely amazing that, that on the 13th of, of May, the decision still hasn't been made that it's to go ahead. It's completely up in the air. Well, and not everyone in the squadron has practiced with the weapon. Nope. The crews don't know what the target is. 
What target like, are? I mean, it's it's extraordinary that there's sort of vacuum in the it, yeah in in the heart of all this. Uh, and Al, there are lots of people. There are lots of half the crews don't practice. Yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah. Not at all. But yeah. Gibson's down at Reculver again. This time in a in a in a in another Lancaster flown by Shorty Longbottom, who is the um, who is one of the test pilots of Vickers, and he's an observer as they drop a live upkeep for the first time, one and only time <laughs> before the raid, they drop a live one. <sighs> Can you imagine that? It's just yes. incredible, isn't the it? The thing is, this makes it even more amazing. That, that, it's that, just incredible that they are it? so undercooked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if your thing is Brits muddling through, um, uh, here it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just amazing. Uh, 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 which is, I think, quite a which is which is after all that. Um, you know, the, the the movie, of course, presents this all as very sort of, um, you know, that they're all they're all absolutely professional crews. They've all practiced up to the as, as hard as they can, and all that sort of thing. And it's not to take anything away from the crews that. That, that actually no they're not they, they ha- they're not in that situation they haven't all practiced not at all so there's a half the crews haven't haven't practiced with an upkeep once not a single member of the uh, of of the of the squadron has dropped a live upkeep not one you know it's just amazing it's absolutely amazing but it but but they drop it and it erupts absolutely as planned a huge thousand foot high hume of water Gibson thinks it's absolutely stunning. He can't get over the kind of enormity of it. And and he doesn't actually say it, but you sort of reading between the lines, it clearly gives him a huge amount of confidence because anything that creates such an enormous eruption in the water, you sort of think, well, okay, I can see how that might smash it down then. Yeah, Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't feel you're going off into some sort of fool's errand where you're just going to get killed. You do think that this has a kind of grain of possibility that it might actually just work. <laughs> but still. But still, yeah. But still. Yeah. But still. Um, yeah. So the Chiefs in Washington are given, are given the, or rather Portal is given the um, answer. That the, the, is asked to provide. Well, so 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 Leslie Hollis, who is the, is the secretary to one of the secretaries to the War Cabinet, he sends a signal to the chiefs in Washington, outlining the arguments mainly of Bottomley, rather than the Admiralty. And at the same time, Evel is also writing to Portal, and, and Evel says, "Much regret having been forced to refer this matter to you, but VCNS Vice Chief of the Naval Staff states that he is unable to discuss here." We are fully convinced that balance of factors is strongly in favour yeah. of disassociating the two operations and getting on with the heavy. You know, he, he, he's clearly right at this point. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. do it, you've got to do, do it. it. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, you're, you're right. The kind of You're into the world of delays and, and the never-never, and it's just never going to happen. Well, and you've got the – I mean, I suppose – some of the crews might have disagreed with this. They wouldn't have minded another couple of weeks training, perhaps. But, yeah, but, but maybe. you've also you've cooked people up to a point where... Yeah, I think, yeah, the spring is coiled, isn't it? And you've taken a squadron out of the line that could be used for... Um, that could be used for the strategic bombing campaign as well. That's the other thing. You're, you're, it's a wasting asset, isn't it, the, the, the longer this goes on? So Friday the 14th of May... Yeah, there's just localized training. There's no no one's down at Recalve at this point. Um, and at two forty p.m. on that afternoon of the Friday, the the verdict of the chiefs of staff arrives, and it is decoded and with Cochrane at, at three forty p.m. p.m. Cochrane says, "Join us after the break. 
to find out what happens next. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with your no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com forward slash guarantees. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to Weird Ways to Make You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. So, so Jim, uh, we left you on that absolute that, that, that yeah, totally cliff edge. <laughs> was it going to be on or was it going to be off? <laughs> I can now reveal the verdict of the Chiefs of Staff was: go for it. It's on. Yeah, go for it. On. Although, although it's not called chastise at this point, no, nope. quite. And then, so Saturday the fifteenth of May is when the gears really begin to turn, and the Air Ministry tells Bomber Command it's on. It names yep. it, chastise, immediate yep. attacker targets, X, Y, and Z approved, execute at first suitable opportunity. So get on with it. Basically. And what they desperately need now is photographs to show that the water levels are still as high. They haven't suddenly had a dramatic dip or anything. Flight Lieutenant Jerry Frey of 542 Photo Reconnaissance Squadron flies over the dams. You know, he's got to get back, and then he's got to develop the pictures. They still haven't got them, and they still haven't got them later on that night. And it's not till later that evening that they get the pictures back. Right, it's I not mean, instant. You can, you know, it's like digital, you, digital cameras, no days. I suppose you can cancel it at any time. That's the the other point, isn't it? I suppose so. Yeah. That then gets forwarded to Five Group, and Satley gets work working on finalising his operation order post um, Gibson's amendments. Um, the, and like you said, there's no going to be no diversionary raid. Um, but they are still X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Not yeah. ABC. Yeah. Well, he's, so yeah. Gibson hasn't had his way on everything. It's obviously a clay pigeon that he said. Oh, maybe, maybe that's what it was. It's a clay pigeon. He said, if they change that back, it doesn't bother me. So that doesn't really matter, does it? So then it, people start to gather at Scampton, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that afternoon, Ralph Cochran arrives at, at, at Scampton, kind of sort of late morning, middle midday, something like that, to tell Whitworth and Gibson that the raid's going to take place. 
and Gibson goes back with him to 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 um to St Vincent's and Grantham to thrash out the final operations order with Satterley. Not much activity. Most of the crews taking it easy that day. Uh, and Barnes Wallace is also heading up to um, Scampton, and uh, he touches down about four o'clock in a Wellington flown by Mutt Summers. You know, test pilot of Spitfire, one of the test pilots of the with the uh, early trials. He is the pilot, isn't he? I think on yeah, the um, is, on the yeah. trials at Chesil Beach. Absolutely beautiful summer's evening. There's a sort of there's a sort of incredible sense of calm, outward calm at yeah. Scampton. You know, you can hear the sort of sound of tennis balls and tennis match being played on the courts and yeah. chirruping of the birds and the may air and you know all the rest of it and it's just one of those sort of perfect english summer evenings but obviously huge events about to take place gibson comes back and there's a massive there's a massive powwow at whitworth's house um at which all you know which the key people are present the photos arrive from jerry Frey as well yeah they're hand delivered to cochrane and then gets them over to uh over to, to scampton and they're told that the water levels are perfectly high and the attack conditions appear to be near perfect. Weather forecast for the next 48 hours is absolutely bang on. So, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's absolutely going to be the next day. So present at Whitworth's house are Whitworth, obviously, Barnes Wallace, Gibson, Dingy Young, Henry Morsley. Those are Young and Morsley, the two flight commanders. But also Gibson insists on bringing John Hopgood, who's his great mate from 106 yeah. Days. And he's very glad that he does. And he's his number two, isn't he? Because after all, one of the things Gibson said is if, if his YT, WT fails, then number two and number four are going to take over. So he wants to, he wants whoever might end up running the running the raid in the event in the event of because he's not just talking about if his radio goes wrong, is he? He's talking about if he's shot down. So if he's if he's absent from from being able to make command decisions, so he's making sure that the people who going who might take over from him know what they're doing know how the, the style in which he plans to run the raid because after all that the, they have internal um, vhf within the squadron is new and is a new a new thing that, that 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 they bring to bear on the raid when the raid comes round. yes so it is going to be tightly controlled by the by the commander so that's why he's brought in other people who need to know that that's how he might run it you know in case he flies into some pylons yeah but but why isn't it maudsley you know maudsley's flight commander so they so they they talk about the route um, but then there's the question of the Sorpidam, isn't there? Is the is the is the um, which after all the thing about the thing about the the, the Ada, and we discovered this when we went to Germany, is it's uh, is it's a lot further away from what you would call the industrial heartland of the German war machine in the Ruhr, the Ruhr Valley. It's further away, and actually, relatively speaking, in an aircraft, um, the, the Myrna and the Sorp are in spitting distance of each other. Really, they're sort of part of the same complex of dam of you know of hills and valleys and stuff and the sorpa is actually it is the second target really if you were going to prioritize them right it absolutely is because both the water from the from the myrna and the zorpa are flowing directly into the rural industrial heartland whereas <laughs> uh, the water from the ada is flowing into the Kassel industrial heartland yeah. which is not quite as industrialized as the Ruhr. And not as important. So he reorganises the the order and everything, doesn't he? Yes, I remember when I spoke to Les Monroe, he always felt he'd been sort of slightly demoted into the second wave, but 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 he absolutely wasn't. It was absolutely clear that but but pushing pushing McCarthy and Monroe into the second wave, who were going to be purely five of them, purely concentrating on the Sorpedam, um, and that is on the back of that conversation 
in Whitworth's house that evening. Because up until that point, what they've been training for is, is didn't realise it, but what they had been training for is an attack against a gravity dam, which is what the Ada and the, and the Myrna are, rather than a, than a earthen dam, which is what the Zorpa is. And the, and the upkeep, of course, is designed for a gravity dam going over the nets and all the rest of it. Whereas a Zorpa, on the Zorpa, the gravity dam, they're just going to drop it right on top of it and let it roll down the slope under the water. Barnes-Rogers is completely upfront about this being a little bit harder and the, the, the upkeep not being a being designed for that but he thinks that we you know five five upkeeps will probably do it by reorganizing them though he he's he's put the less experienced crews into the reserve hasn't he so um, yes uh, and that's a kind of stooge around respond to what you know if if, if one of the dams hasn't been destroyed then those are the ones they've got to attack and they finished that meeting at about midnight just a little bit after yeah and then he finds out that the, dog, the dog's been run over, which is not great, you know, because he's very attached to his dog. You know, the thing about dogs is, is that dogs love you unconditionally. There's no kind of hassle. There's no, there's no worrying about whether it's the kind of complicated emotional life he has with Maggie North, who has now decided that she's going to marry someone else anyway, and his yeah. wife and, and all yeah. the rest of it. You don't get out of a dog. You just get a dog who just sort of wags his tail and sort of woofles at you. Well, if you threw a stick for a person, they'd say, what'd you do that for? You throw <laughs> a stick for a dog. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, he spent the last few weeks just going back and forth, up and from the north to the south, north to the south, south to the north, back and forth, meetings galore. He's done less training than any other crew, any other pilot, because he hasn't had, he's had more pulls on his time than anyone else. Yeah. You know, and he's got gout. I mean, he must be absolutely exhausted. Exhausted. Uh, completely played out the, the emotional gut punch of losing your, losing the dog the day the day before you're off to do this thing that. Everyone knows he's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Well, all I yeah. can say is that when I lost my, my Labrador, I was in pieces. Well, but maybe that's what I needed was to get in a Lancaster and fly a mission. <laughs> take my mind off it. <laughs> Rather than imp- moping around feeling sorry for myself. It's some impossible flying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it would focus the mind, wouldn't it? Perfect cure for I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had much time to think about poor old Letty. <laughs> Perfect cure for dog grief, the Victoria Cross. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. He doesn't get much sleep. Um, No, Sunday, it's now Sunday the 16th of May. Beautiful summer's day again. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Birds are twittering. All is calm. Not a breath of wind anywhere. All seems fine. Gibson's up at 5.30. He's got things to do. Nine o'clock is crew breakfast in a mess. And then he's told by the MO that he shouldn't be flying. He's not well enough to fly. Of his yeah, gout and and gives his a discus. That's ridiculous. You know, you stuff that up. You're, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, and then eleven o'clock, the final operational order finally arrives, and and this one's got all the kind of all the trimmings with the appendices, roots, timing, signal procedures, moon tables. Huls has been avoided, which was on the original route, but which was pointed out by Hopgood, who recently flown over there, said the flat was very tense, so they screen a bit north of that. Yeah, and they've also got the last resort target. So I do manage to knock out the the main three targets. Absolutely fine. They've got they've got upkeeps to spare. Then the three further, much 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 smaller dams, the Lister, Anepa, and Demol, have been added. The crews are all busy getting their the Lancasters ready. There's yeah. a slight heart stopping moment when they they hoist the upkeep into into P for Popsy, which is Mickey Martin's um, Lancaster, and it then plops down again, crashes onto the ground. But you know it's okay. Had that gone off, we we wouldn't be talking. We wouldn't be talking about a dams raid, would we? We'd be talking about. We'd be back in that counterfactual where it never happened. I mean, the thing is, the, the, you know, you look at the timetable of this day as the as the 
half hours and the quarters out a quarter hours tick by i mean i don't know reading it i've and i've drunk a lot of coffee this morning but i can fit i can feel the tension mounting yes you can as you, can't as you? you look through the, as you look through the stuff like all all mgs are going to use 100 percent tracer they're going to agree that the eastern chain g radar sta- stations will be switched on at z minus 30 it feels it feels like you know that when you're on a roller coaster, it tick 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 tick. Up, you're going up, up, tick, to, tick, up to the highest the top, bit, which yeah. is probably the best bit of being on a roller coaster. I think that after that, oh well, whatever. You know, it's the it's the the anticipation, the tick tick tick. So at midday, they it's the briefings begin with the pilots and navigators. Wallace is there to explain. This is the moment for me that says it all. Is when Gibson says, "We've got to do. We've got to succeed on this because we don't want to be doing a second trip. There's absolutely no way we want to be doing this again." And I think he speaks, you know, he speaks for him, for himself and for everyone else at that point, isn't he? I think it's very interesting they have scale models, but not of the Ada. That's, that's indicative of the of the speed of the resolving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. It's just yeah. hasn't, you know. It's- but it's but especially as that suppo- has been deemed the secondary target until until uh, Gibson's changed it to the third target. The fact that there wasn't a model is quite quite bizarre they issue the routes 115 bomber command ask fighter to come up can't command to do some sort of rhubarb some intruding for that night at 2 p.m fighter and coastal commands and eighth air force are warned that there's a special op going on that night presumably so they don't shoot any of them down yeah 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 so just keep out of the way it's sort of plain as that isn't it 2 30 p.m bomb aimers and gunners join the briefing bomb aimers on this late and and, and johnny johnson he's a bomb aimer on joe mccarthy's crew says you know he told me that he'd no idea despite the fact they've been practicing on all these lakes well yeah i suppose you just assume it's water i mean i think the bottom line was that they just hadn't even thought about dams in germany then at 4 p.m signals received the code name of the operation chastise finally that's well it's just confirmed it's kind it's of confirmed and then at 4 45 they're actually properly given authorization for the raid i mean it's i know it's just the, the countdown Clack, 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 clack. Up we go. Yeah. We're going up the roller, up the roller coaster. Yep. 6 p.m. announcement at Scampton. All crews of 617 Squadron report to the briefing room immediately. And that's the biggie. That's yeah. when everyone, all the crews involved, Gibson and Wallace speak. Gibson speaks for the best part of an hour, you know, talking about routes, how they're going to do it, what's going to happen, you know, uh, if anything goes wrong, if you have the need for radio silence, all this kind of stuff. And the, 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 that's when you get the weather reports and there's not expected to be any, not a whiff of, of, of wind at all, which is yeah. actually inaccurate because there is quite wrong. considerable wind in the um uh, in the north sea and then it's kind of you know it's 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 you know they're going to take off first the second wave is going to yep. start first because they're yep. doing a different route and they're going to begin at 2100 hours nine o'clock yep. that night so at seven thirty, they synchronize their watches to bbc time yep that's some, it that's the end of the briefing they have something to eat yep charlie williams goes back to his room oh god writes Terrible. to bobby Ah. last letters written or maybe not but but the last letters before the raid all written yeah. and stuff and then then down to the crew rooms down to the crew rooms get all your kit on and off they go and off they go so there we are we've done the, the green very light yeah goes off into the air yeah. engines all whirring and off they go and it's yeah it's barlow's plane goes first because joe mccarthy's gone dis and that's it. And that's and, and the, the moment's on. And it's you know doing doing the countdown is fascinating because obviously it's a special raid. But it's a, but it's you, you get the kind of you get an incredible sense of the kind of scale of the organisation, the different people involved, the, the kind of localised level of a lot of it, which I think is really really interesting. You know, this is this is our track tactic, isn't it? This is mission command. 
you know, we want you. If you look, go back to Saturday, and you look at um, what the what the original. Okay, Operation Immediate Attack on Targets X, Y, and Z approved. Execute a first suitable opportunity. If that's not Mission Command, I don't know what is. Well, it's all super devolved, isn't it? That, that's yeah. So thing. now, and you know, and the fact the fact that those who are doing the raid are told this is just a template this is this is first thoughts but you rewrite it completely if you want to you, you know you're the guys in the driving seat you you do it i mean that's amazing isn't it it's incredible and, and left in the hands of a 24 year old yeah 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 it's absolutely amazing well there we go so what's to come are is going to be alan and i on location at the Myrna, at the ada at the zorpa an episode at each one Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this damn buster stuff. By the way, if you're a Patreon, um, uh, an independent company member over on our Patreon, you can see video of us doing all this, of these episodes of us chatting about stuff um, on location at um, uh, the the Myrna. When we were there, we're back in the UK now, obviously, but when we were there a few weeks ago. But um, thanks very much for listening. I've, I have to say, I've enjoyed this kind of zooming right in, but we're doing it because it's 1943. Because it's 2023. Because that we want to talk about this year more. We, there's going to be plenty of that, particularly if you come to We Have Ways Fest, which where it's going to be a big. It's going to yeah. be 1943, like it through a stick of rock. But actually, we should do that. What a stick of rock with 1943 through it. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of appropriate. That sticks of rock in the wall. Feel, feels about right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, 1930s anyway. <laughs> Certainly the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, well, there we Maybe go. Another hairbrain, another hairbrain idea leaps into <laughs> leaps into life. Um, we'll see you all soon. Thanks very much for listening. Bye bye. Cheerio.